it's balancing the mind and the body using going back to our intuition hence going into the meditation trusting your body going back to the basics what feels right to me what doesn't like you know but we shut off our intuition and stop using it and then when you connect with your body then you can think That was from my conversation with founder and CEO of Unapologetically Abundant, Petya Kalibova. Unapologetically Abundant is a purpose and passion-driven company where Petya empowers other women to remember their own inner strength and confidently create a life that feels amazing on the inside, not just looking good on the outside. She's an outstanding expert in the area of meditation, teaching, fitness, and confidence coaching. Petya is a devoted self-love advocate who offers practical tips and tools on how to gain and maintain a healthy body, self-confidence, and spiritual well-being. We had a terrific conversation, and I'm very eager to share it with you. As always, thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Lock Show Podcast. Petia, how are you doing this evening? amazingly you're the happy ending of my day so i'm really excited <laughs> <laughs> well that's wonderful to hear um but you are uh involved in a few things you host a podcast called Unap- unapologetically abundant um and then you also have a facebook group by the same name and then your website is also uh, your name uh petia kalibova.com um so you work with people in in meditation fitness confidence building um but I'm really, I honestly, I was really struck by the name of, of your podcast and your, your business. So can you just walk me through what does unapologetically abundant mean to you? I love that question so much. So thank you for asking. And, you know, I am, I was just counting the years, but like over three years ago, I started my own podcast the first time and the name was Be Strong Minded because I wanted to blend the mind, body and the spirit together. So B was the beingness, you know, strong was the body and minded was the mindset. And later, one year later after that, I had this epiphany that when I became unapologetically me, the abundance came. Mm. I, I was raised, you know, raised and born in Czech Republic. And hence, that's where my accent is from. And I was taught there that you have to work really, really hard and that it's really difficult to have a good life and you better shut up and just do things, right? And for me, deep, deep inside, I felt like there must be more than just this. I have nothing against like working, but if that's the only way how we can create fulfillment and happiness, it was really tiring for me. There was one time that I had even four jobs at the same time and it just didn't resonate with me anymore. And then I started to work with, you know, mentors and coaches after going through my own dark times, you know, attempt of suicide, bulimia, you know, all these things. Um, I asked for help and hire mentors. And when I did that, I start being more myself and Mm. stop settling and stop people pleasing and all these things. It was like, "Ah, I can breathe. It was so liberating and so against everything I was taught. 
So that's when I changed the name of my podcast. Mm. I called it Unapologetically Abundant because I truly believe that our purpose and why we are here is to be ourselves, not to try fit boxes, not to try be like anyone else, but wholeheartedly understanding who you are, being that. And then the abundance came to me. Now I work like two, three days a week, one in one thing, only one thing, and that's my coaching and, you know, the other mm-hmm. aspects of my coaching. But i never been as abundant. And I don't mean only money, but you mentioned it before we started recording. I just got married. You know, I married the love of my life. I work only with women who really light me up and everything comes to me effortlessly. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really awesome. Um, and I... I, I... I was really struck, I think, by the unapologetic part. I'm from the Midwestern United States. I'm from Missouri. And I think I'm required to apologize every 10 minutes, like on a queue. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding, obviously. But but really, I, I want to talk more about or get your thoughts more on just this idea of people constantly apologizing. And, and maybe it literally is saying I'm sorry for something. But maybe it's also just kind of the way that they interact with other people, right? Mm-hmm. Um how 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 common do you think that is that people are again living in this almost apologetic way like very common like yeah. i feel like almost everyone you know and and you know like you are from midwest and i also have a couple friends and clients from canada i think they're apologizing every other minute you know yeah. i'm like <laughs> take a deep breath like every sentence doesn't have to have i'm sorry twice and <laughs> It's just like we are really living on an autopilot, right? Like, I'm so sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I didn't pick up the, you know, the laundry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But it's like automatic. What I'm teaching my clients and what I learned to do myself, it's say thank you. Instead of I'm sorry, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. Thank you for your flexibility. Because when you think about it, everything, it's energy, how we are feeling about certain things, Right. So if we're constantly telling other people, I'm sorry, how do you feel really about it? And how do they feel? It's like this victim mentality. And when you say, I'm sorry to someone, it makes them feel like, oh, wow, they did something wrong. So there is like this resistance. However, when you say, thank you so much for your patience, I am running 10 minutes later, you're feeling better right? Because you are not in this, like, I did something wrong. Like, what's wrong with me? Why I cannot get my stuff together? Why I'm always running late? You're not blaming yourself. You're not in the victim mode. And the other person feels empowered because you're appreciating them. And it feels so good to be appreciated. Unless, no, go ahead. No, no, please, please. I didn't mean to, to breathe. <laughs> I didn't mean to breathe. Please keep breathing. I've seen Midwest. See, now I, here I am apologizing <laughs> in the middle of the explanation of why we shouldn't apologize so much. And I you can't know, help it. <laughs> one thing I wanted to add, like there are times to say, I'm sorry. I don't mean to say like you have to be arrogant and don't care about other people's feelings. There is time and place to feel into your feelings. And when you really mess up, you come and you apologize, right? But the, the, I am sorry that we're talking about right now, Walker, it's, it's the automatic sorry. It's the one that it's just going, 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 and you don't even feel it. Do you Mm -hmm. really deeply feel sorry when you interrupt someone or when you 
forget something you don't you say it automatically and that's where the disconnect between people comes we are not deeply connected to our feelings and to our truth and then we're just running on this hamster wheel of thoughts and doing the same things over and over yeah no i think it's so interesting what you're talking about and you know in a small example like the one we just lived through in real time I didn't mean to make a noise to interrupt you that way. So that was my quick little, you know, break away from that or whatever. And I don't really regret saying sorry there too much. However, in like my professional life, like in the workplace, right, I found myself, um, I mean, this is going to make me sound like a monster. I wasn't like yelling at people or something, but I would send a strongly worded email, we'll say, right? And and maybe the the tone of it is not friendly, because in the moment I'm frustrated or I'm whatever. And so I express that through my communication. And then inevitably, because I'm not, I don't want to be a mean person. I would go back and say, Hey, sorry about that. I didn't mean to come across that way. But what I also realized is that I was actually kind of using my habit of apologizing as a scapegoat to not just act better, right? Like instead of constantly apologizing for sending the rude email, maybe I should just learn to take a step back and not send the rude email first, right? Um, I don't mean to go on about myself as much as just that I, I think that there's a, a a rich conversation around the idea of over-apologizing for the reasons that you're talking, but also I think that it cheapens when we're really sorry, right? Like when there's really something to be sorry for, it cheapens it by overdoing it all the time. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And I also wanted to say like, this is your show. So if you want to just talk about <laughs> go for it and enjoy it, right? It's like you're meant to talk about. And it's fascinating because we mentioned it. I do have my own podcast too. And when I'm speaking with people, it's usually people who I'm admiring for years and people who are already living the life that I want to be living. I'm like, this is my show. And I get these people on and it's like my time so it's your time walker if it's all about (laughs) you let's do it because you you know it's fascinating i feel like even if we think that we're doing things about ourselves we don't because we are speaking our truth and what is going on in our life and and other people can resonate with it because people will be listening like oh you too I get so mad and I send this email and I thought that I am the monster and I am alone. So you might feel you're doing this about yourself, but there are other people who are like, thank God, it's not just me. Walker, thank you for saying that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that there's a a lot of value to what you're saying. And, you know, I work with a life coach myself and, um, one of my strong core values is, is authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, and unrelated to me, there's a, a actor, Seth Rogen, that's a comedian actor that's famous. And he came to fame through these movies, uh, Superbad and I think Knocked Up. But Superbad is, and I don't mean to go through the whole movie, but it's basically like him and his high school friends. And the, the script of the movie is largely him and his friends' experience that they had growing up as suburban Canadian kids in the 90s or whatever. And he talked about how when they were writing it, they thought, like, no one is ever going to care what a bunch of suburban Canadian kids think about anything or went through. But what he actually found was that the more he leaned into the personal experience, the more it resonated with people, which the reason I bring that up is because it ties into what you're talking about, about 
when you're unapologetically yourself, it resonates with other people just so much more readily. Absolutely. And it always reminds me of the, um, what is this called? The, the cartoon, the Winnie Pooh, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're sitting there with the, I think it was the piggy or, you know, I don't know if it was the, yeah. the, the donkey, but they're sitting there and they are saying something and like, oh my gosh, you two, I thought it's just me. I think we just became friends. <laughs> and so sometimes we might think like, oh, I'm self-absorbed and I'm selfish when I keep talking about myself, but that's how you can make yourself available to other people so they can relate to you. So very often we are trying to think about like, what is the right way to to say? What is the right way to do things? And it's like, there is only one right way and it's your way. Mm. It's your way, how you express yourself, how you speak. And I always say, and it's my favorite mantra, you're perfectly made for your purpose. Mm. The way you are, the way you look, the way you speak, your accent, your beliefs, like there is no one like you in the universe. And there are people who are being inspired by you being you because no matter how many years ahead of learning we have, because, you know, one of my core values, it's growth. So I know that this is never ending. I will always be a student and I will always be learning. And sometimes we think like, oh, I don't know enough about the subject or I don't, I am not enough to do this. Like, who am I to do this, right? This imposter syndrome. But there are always people, couple steps behind you. And you never know who needs to hear what's going on in your life, in your heart, because they are going through something similar and it makes them feel that there is a hope and there is a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I think another word that kind of describes the sentiment you're talking about is is vulnerability, right? Mm-hmm. Is is allowing yourself to be vulnerable. But you know, if if you think of the word vulnerable, maybe in a in a physical sense, like, well, maybe now you're leaving yourself open to be physically harmed, right? And so then to be vulnerable emotionally is that same thing. So I think that that can be scary for people. H- how do you think about fear? Um. That's a great question. And and it reminded me what you were just talking about, about Brené Brown, right? And her take on vulnerability, because I truly believe that vulnerability, it's needed and it's a strength. And we will always have fears. We will always have fears, but you get to remember that these fears are learned. When we are born, we just have a couple fears, right? Fears of falling and fears of loud noises, because... That's just the survivor. We are born with two fears. And now we are like, you know, will I do great in the interview? What will people think? What if I fail? What if people will judge me? Like all these are learned behaviors. That's not yours. That's not you. You get to go back to the basics. And that's why I also like part of what I'm doing with my clients. It's inner child healing. Mm. Because no matter how you were raised, there are things that were missing along your journey. You might have the most loving, most present parents. There will still be something, the stories that you will create about what happened and you will keep reliving it up until now. So it's very important to look at your life and look back because very often when people come to me and they want to work with me, they want more money, they want more clients, they want more freedom, they want to be more confident, self-expressed. That's great, but that's looking into the future. 
they want to come and they want to bypass and they're like, I want to be already there. I want to live in my dream home and my dream partner with my dream money, you know, and <laughs> dream body. I'm like, that's amazing. Having clarity of what do you desire? It's amazing. However, you always get to look back, not because you're going there, not that, but looking at where you are and looking where are you coming from, it always relate. It always matches. So mm. we got to look back at that. Like, am I still behaving as the seven-year-old one? Because I know I did up until just recently. There are still things that I am still uncovering. It's like peeling of these layers. Like you think you master one thing and then it's like, here you go, back on your knees again. We got to keep growing again. Yeah, for me, I find it's like, a, I call it a spiral staircase, right? Because it's like there's progress upward. Now, there's certainly plateaus along the way. So that's why it's got to be stairs. But then like, I'll go, you know, so I'll learn. I'm just making up a number here. But let's say I learned four lessons. And then it comes around. And I'm like, all right, here comes lesson five. And it's just lesson one again. It's just in a different context now, right? And and I'll get frustrated with myself. And, and I'll tell my coach that, you know, why <laughs> I already learned this. And she'll be like, well, it turns out you're not a computer, right? You're a human being. So unfortunately, you don't get to just program yourself and then just not have a problem yeah. <laughs> ever again. Um, That's true. And also when you think about it, like if you really learned that lesson, why is it triggering you? Right. Right. You know, yeah. I, I feel like there are like triggers, but if, if you can just look at it, observe it, and it's not like upsetting you or mm. doesn't even move you. Okay, great. Next. You're like, oh, this is easy. Been there, done right. Well, so that's, you know, something that we've, you've touched on briefly here already, but talking about observing. Uh, so something else that you're heavily into is meditation. Um, and for a long time, before I started meditating, I thought that meditating was that you were supposed to turn your brain off and not have thoughts, right? So then if I had thoughts, I was like, oh, I'm doing it all wrong. Like, I, I, I don't know how or whatever. Once I actually started learning about it and practicing it, I came to learn that, yeah, it, it's actually much more about becoming the observer, mm -hmm. not the off switch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so can you talk a little bit about meditation and what that, how that incorporates into your work? Absolutely. You know, I do meditation and I do hypnosis with my clients because we are, there's so many like impulses around us, right? Like the things that we have to be responding, whether it's advertisement, whether it's social media, whether it's family, like there's so many more stimulus than we never had before. So for us, it's like the constant go, 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 go. And our mind doesn't have a space to relax and be open to receive anything or see anything or create anything if we are just in a spiral of our mind so meditation i i love what you say because most people think like when you're meditating you're supposed to turn off your mind it's not that for me meditation it's you with you you spending time investing your time with being with yourself because how often do we really do that right now? We are attending friends and family and work and clients and business and podcasts and so many things. When do you really sit down with yourself? And meditation can take many forms. It can be just walking meditation and observing the nature and looking at the clouds. For me, I love shower meditation. That's my me time. Nobody can get to me. And I just imagine the wall. They're like showering and cleansing me of all the heaviness from the day and all the stress and like 
everything that weights me down and I see it going through the drains and it can be as easy as like being outside and listening to the birds. Like you gotta see like what is your way? Are you visual? Are you kinesthetic? Are you auditory? Because somebody can tell you like, oh my God, I'm doing this amazing meditation. It's working so great. And you're like, nah, right? It's not your way. What is your way? For me, when I like lay in our hammock in a backyard and I'm just looking at the clouds or just moving leaves, I'm being present. And again, you said it, I'm observing the things. I'm not judging them. I'm just letting them be. And that's the time when we can relax, slow down. We are not in fight or flight. And that's meditation. Yeah, I think that's really powerful um, for you to explain it that way. I've had I've had some other guests that have also talked about that, and I think it's just a really important point to emphasize. I think that our culture here in the U- U.S. at least has come a long way with um, things like meditation and, and kind of more spiritual related practices as not being um, quite so ab- abnormal or obscure. Right? It's a lot more accepted now, a lot more popular. But I do still think, and, and maybe this is because I'm from <laughs> the Midwest, but where there's there's a lot of people who do still view words like that as if there's some mystical property to it. Mm-hmm. And certainly meditation can be used in a religious context if, if that's what someone is, is wanting to do. Um, but I, I honestly, I think that meditation is actually very similar to prayer. Um, now, I don't, I'm not trying to go into religion and I don't mean to diminish anyone's, you know, deity or anything like that but my point just being that it's a time where you're sitting typically in silence and you're not paying like you said paying attention to external stimuli in that way and even if you are aware of them or see them you're not getting caught up in the nuance of them or whatever right um and i say that just again to kind of what, you know, I, I came to realize recently with the show, because I talked to a really wide variety of guests, not just coaches, you know, like yourself. There's so much polarization in this world right now. And, and we really do have a lot more in common than we think. And little semantic things like meditation might turn someone off and be like, oh, I wouldn't know anything about that. And it's like, yeah, if you pray, you kind of do know about it already. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, rant over. I just <laughs> I just think it's really powerful to to talk about meditation in this more broad way instead of this really narrow focused thing Mm -hmm. that only is done in a certain way or only means a certain thing yeah and and again it goes back to you do you and what's your way right because like um it's just investing your time into being present so how do you get present how do you slow down how do you you know create space for yourself because before, like I mentioned, I, I, I had a four jobs and I was so busy and I was working so hard and I was always tired and my body was always unwell, you know, and when I created more space, I am able to receive more things and I'm working less than I ever done and I'm making more money than I ever done because I am able to relax and see the options, see the opportunities if you keep running, running, running and don't slow down and it doesn't matter what name you give it. If it's like your personal time, if it's your self-care, if it's meditation, if it's a prayer, whatever you want to call it, it's your time with yourself when you are not overanalyzing, overthinking everything, when you're investing time into being really present. It can look like just scanning your body, checking in with your body. How do you really feel today? What's going on? 
you know so scanning your environment scanning your feelings it's being present it's so underrated these days <laughs> it really is it really is i think that the last year in a lot of ways and i don't mean to put a spin on 2020 like it was an overall net positive um i know a lot of people suffered a lot but i do think that it did kind of force the world in a lot of ways to just mm -hmm. slow down a bit right um and i'm interested to see coming out of the pandemic now what things will stick that that kind of gain traction in in the pandemic positive things of course i mean mentioned to you before we started recording that I was looking through your, your social media, I was looking through your Instagram and this ties to this conversation we're having about vulnerability to some extent. Um, you had shared a quote that is uh, ready is a lie. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really interesting way of, of communicating that idea. Um, but it, it, you're basically talking to the, the, the idea that there's not, not a perfect time to, pursue something. And so, yeah, so before I try and explain it all, can you elaborate on what that ready is a lie or what that means? Absolutely. You know, and it's from a fellow coach, you know, um, that she, she said it, Angie Lee, and with me, it really resonated because I believe that we, again, we go into our mind and we overthink and overanalyze, you know, and we are just, thinking that we are not ready instead of trusting ourselves. You know, when we look at the human's evolution in the past, we were just living through our bodies like Neanderthals, right? Like you're going for the survivor. We didn't have the prefrontal cortex. We didn't have the amygdala. We didn't have that. We were here to survive. We were trusting our body. We were trusting our intuition. Then after 18th century, like there were shifts and changes and industrial revolutions and everything. And we were more into our minds, into our brain, thinking and creating and planning and building. That wasn't happening before in the past. So now we are so connected with our mind that we thinking that our mind and brain, it's everything. Now what I'm feeling that is shifting, it's balancing the mind and the body. Using, going back to our intuition, hence going into the meditation, trusting your body, going back to the basics, what feels right to me, what doesn't, like, you know, but we shut off our intuition and stop using it. And then when you connect with your body, then you can think mm. so it's not this or that it's both. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's when I feel that we get to get back into our body trust our intuition what are you guided into like you don't have crazy desires and ideas that cannot be fulfilled right you get these desires because they can be fulfilled and they can be fulfilled by you like the the book big magic 
you get creative and inspired ideas because the ideas are meant to be born through you. If you don't birth them, somebody else will. It's like when people like do the same idea, same invents at the same time, but somebody else gets it quicker patented. But there is somebody else who already had the paperwork and everything for it. They didn't act on it. So you get to remember your first podcast will suck. You know, your your first caption will suck. Your videos, they will be bad at the beginning. You will like be tripping over your tongue. It's, it's okay. But you just got to start and see because I remember last year, one of my clients, she asked me, how did you know what to do? Like, how did you know what's your purpose and what to be doing? I'm like, through doing. I wasn't born and to say, hey, I will be coach and I will be changing lives and I will be hosting retreats internationally and have a TV show and podcast. I wasn't. I knew what to do by doing. I did so many different things. You know, I did my school. I got my bachelor's. I got my master's in business and marketing. And I did. I work in a corporate. And then I did have my social media marketing agency. I knew what to do by doing. Because everything, it's a stepping stone. Everything, it's worth it for you. Every relationship, every heartbreak, everything in your life, it's happening for you so you can keep stepping up, so you can keep growing. I love your dog, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was like looking there. I was like, you're so cute playing there. Oh, I'm dog mom, so I can shut up about it. No, I, I, I'll, I'll go on forever. Well, so, you know, it's actually interesting that you mentioned him though, because he has been my most recent example of this. There's the ready is a lie kind of thing. Cause I, I've loved dogs for a long time, but I'd never owned one as an adult. Um, and for a while there were other circumstances that, that allowed me to justify that more easily. But then in the last few years, I mean, I own my own house now. I don't have roommates. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can, I'm in control of the environment entirely, but I was always like, oh, I don't, you know, it's not exactly right. And and then I just realized toward the end of last year, like, I mean, maybe I have another 30 or 40 years left, right? I mean, I don't know, not to be morbid, but who knows? And maybe way less than that. Um, am I just going to spend the whole time and never have a dog because I'm worried it won't be perfect? Like, that's crazy. So then I went to the rescue and picked one. And well, he picked me, but he's great. Right. And it's been it's been the most rewarding part of my life since I since I got it. Mm. Um, and it was just a definite lesson of like of just just be courageous. And I, I, I'm talking about owning a dog here. I get it. <laughs> there are... Listen, it's a big commitment. You know, <laughs> like you're supposed to keep something alive, you know, right. so it, is, it is a big deal. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I, I lost my train of thought. I, I apologize whenever I saw, whenever you pointed to him and then I looked at him and yeah, he is very cute. Um, I'm trying to think to, to where I was going to go. Um, well, I, here's another question I have. I don't know how good of a segue this is from what you were talking about, but something else that I've, I, I noticed in your, in your, your content is this idea of, of finding your why, which is a, a popular phrase, you know, finding your purpose and, and you just spoke to it. You didn't know how to find, you know, you didn't, you weren't born with who you are now in mind or something. How long did it take you to find your why? Hmm. That's a great question. And I feel that 
It is, it is really tricky because I could say it took me, you know, over three decades because I wasn't, it was just recently. And it's funny, I was 33 when I like had this big aha and shifted everything. So that was almost, you know, four years ago or four years ago. But I feel like once I declare who I am, what are my core values and that I am not willing to settle ever again, it was like this. Mm. The things start coming to me like right away and it keeps coming to me. Like it keeps showing up. What is the next step and allowing it, right? So yeah, I could say like over three decades, but in reality, when you have the support and you know it because you have a coach too, when you have a support, somebody who can look outside of you, because when you're in it, it's so hard to see it really. Right now I'm working with three mentors because each of them it's for something else. I truly believe in first supporting other people's dreams. When we hire coaches, it's like, Hey, I believe in you. Right. But second of all, it's like self-awareness. It's everything. Like I started to study a human design, which is absolutely incredible, amazing system into like how to understand yourself and how to understand the world. I'm using it with my clients. I'm not going to be like human design reader or coach, but it's a part of a big shift in me understanding myself. It's like, wow, finally something gave me permission to be me and finally something starts to click and make sense. So there is nothing wrong with me. I was wired this way. This is my style. This is my design. So you get to really start understanding yourself because when you give yourself permission to be not everything to everyone as we are doing very easily, right? I'm the good, you know, son or daughter. I'm the good husband or wife. Like, like I'm the good one for everybody else but me. When you create that space for yourself, it's like to rediscover yourself. It's not I, It's not like I didn't find my why. I created it, right? Mm. It's part of me. So I, I said it before. I truly believe that our purpose here is to be ourselves. It took me three decades and I was reading books, listening to podcasts, watching videos. So I'm like, why am I here? Why am I here? I felt most of my life like a waste of space. When I was 18, I attempted of suicide. When I was almost 30, I was getting in such a dark space because I was feeling that it doesn't really matter if I'm here or not. Mm. Like it, there is seven or eight billion, how many ever people, right? Like who cares if I'm here or not? I was feeling so low and so... Like, why? Why am I even here? I'm not doing nothing significant. I'm not a Mozart. I'm not, you know, Tesla. I'm not, I'm not like genius, right? I'm not Albert Einstein. Those people are kind of needed. They change the world. And I was thinking like, if I'm not here to change the world, why am I even here? Mm. And then I realized that, that I am here to be me. And we talk about it. You are so relatable to your people. My clients, they, I'm very open about my story because you never know who is going through that. Mm -hmm. All I needed back in those days, Walker, was have a hope that this will pass. Mm -hmm. When you're in the darkness, when you're feeling desperate, you just want it to end. And when it doesn't end, you want it to end. So for whoever is listening, whoever is going through the hell right now, keep going. This mm -hmm. too shall pass. I needed somebody to tell me. 
Yeah. 10, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't as easy. You go to my Instagram today, you go on my website and you can read almost everything about me, right? I'm an open book. 10, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't as easy as it is now. Right. We've got to speak our truth and be ourselves. Yeah. No, I think that's, um, I think that's really, that's incredibly powerful. Um, I, I think that you're, so I, I guess a question is, there are different words for it. Uh, it can be belief. It could be faith. And again, I don't mean in a religious context necessarily, but how, how important do you think that a belief is in, in the life? I, I think it's like so necessary that you cannot live without it. You can't. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have a faith, belief, whatever you want to call it, it's just a word, like whatever, you know, whatever resonates with you. So for me, I'm not religious, but I do believe in something bigger. I used to, I wasn't even able to say the word God because God for me was an old dude in heaven who wants to punish us. Mm. That's how I was raised. That was the religion, right? And it didn't resonate with me because I'm like, I don't believe we were born to be punished and then die and deserve heaven. I'm like, oh, it just doesn't feel right to me. Listen, that's just my opinion and my belief. If this empowers someone to believe that they're here to cleanse their sins and then they will die and live in heaven, great. I believe that there can be, there can be and is heaven on earth. We came here to experience this world, but I had to create a faith and believe that there is something bigger than me, something bigger than ourselves. So I call it the universe source. Now I'm okay with saying God, because again, it's just a charged word, right? So for me, I can say God, I can say universe, I can say source, I can say higher self. There is something that is higher than ours. And it's guiding us. You don't have to be counting your breath. You don't have to be counting your heartbeat. You don't have to wake up every single morning worrying, is the sun going to come out? Is the earth going to be spinning? There's something guiding it. Whatever force it is, it's taking care of our us. And I remember when I, years ago, read the book, um, The Universe Has Your Back from Gabby Bernstein. It was like a mind blowing for me because I'm mm. like, Wow, that really makes sense. We didn't come here to control everything and to be like in charge of everything. We are not in charge of the big things. Take care of yourself. Everything else will fall into the place. So I truly believe that we do have to have a faith. You cannot live with that because if not, why would you even get up from the bed in the morning in the first place? Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I agree with that completely. Um, I think that it's the... um most fundamental element of i don't i don't know if i want to use the word happiness but whatever of having maybe a fulfilling life right mm-hmm. is because you have to believe that whatever actions and thoughts that you're having or taking are going to work right there has to be there has to be belief that it can be different whether you know mm-hmm. better whatever word you want to use but but different um so no i i yeah i appreciate your sentiment on that very much so I want to talk about who do you, who do you work with? You know, you've talked about these clients that you're working with. Are you working with individuals? Are you working with groups? Who do you work with in your coaching? That's a great question, you know, and 
again, it took me a lot of energy and power to say no to the things that are not heck yes for me. So when I started to work, I would work with anyone who would just pay me. And I felt like I have to be always proving myself that I'm good enough and that I can make the transformations and really help people, whether it was through my coaching or social media business, you know. I felt like I'm chasing people. And then when I became unapologetically me, I realized what lights me up. I realized who resonates with me. And I realized that it can be easy. So I work now with women who know they're, know they're meant for more, who came here to help other people. That's what lights me up, whether it's healers, coaches, whether it's mom at home with two kids, that it's single mom and wants to stay sane and you know, raise the best kids ever. So women who come to me, they know they're meant for more and they are not living their truth. So what I'm really helping them, it's align with who they are, align with their purpose and live it and help other people. Mm. So I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable asking this question <laughs> because I don't want it to sound like I'm challenging it as a, as a frankly, as a man, because um, I really am just curious. So one of the, the lines on your, your website says that you pair feminine flow with strategic planning to give entrepreneurs immense clarity and exact steps to transition from side hustler to CEO. And, and again, I, I don't mean this as a challenge. I'm, I'm really curious, but can you elaborate on what you mean by feminine flow? Um, what, what is, what, how would you define that? I love any challenges. So if you want to challenge me, it's go not, for it's, it. No, 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 it's I'm not. I'm teasing you. I love challenges, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I love that you are like speaking out your truth and your curiosity. So up until the first like three decades of my life, I was very much in my masculine energy. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We both have those polarities in us, yin and yang, feminine, masculine, you know, black and white. We just have those. That's the contrast. That's what keeps us alive, right? The happiness, the sadness, there is always contrast. Right now we are living in, in duality, right? So up until I was around 30 years old, I was living in survivor and I felt that I have to be in my masculine meaning. The masculine energy is go-gather. It's the hustling. It's the working hard. It's the protecting. It's the provider. It's the, it's like the, the stillness, right? It's the stillness of like, I got to focus. I got to, you know, like plan everything. And because of the way I was raised, I didn't feel safe. And I was always the provider and the protector for everybody, even for my boyfriends, you know. So that was up until then. And I felt burned out. I felt really tired. I didn't have a balance in my life. I didn't allow myself to, to just relax. I didn't allow myself to receive because I didn't want to be vulnerable and people take advantage of me or people use me or people hurt me. So... When I say feminine flow, feminine for me, it's nurturing, it's loving, it's motherly, it's receiving, it's openness. And I, I, I didn't have that. So women who come to me, they think they have to work really hard. They have to be hustling. They have to be having a strategy. They have to like, it's all or nothing. So I am bringing them back into their balance, into the playfulness, into healing their inner child. The feminine, it's, it's trusting. It's flowing. Mm -hmm. I feel like the ocean, when, when I think of masculine, I think ocean. It's big. 
it's embracing, it's all encompassing, it can be still, it can be also very wild, right? But it's there, it's still. Feminine for me, it's like a river. Feminine river, it's always flowing, it's receiving, it's nurturing, making everything around her alive. The fish, the plants, the land around her, everything is life. So we get to blend these two. And that's when I say I, I bring the feminine flow because I help my clients to relax, to slow down, to be open to receive. Most women, they are not even open to receive compliments because they think that, oh, it's not a big deal. I got it on sale. Oh, you know, like you look great. Oh, no, no, no I just put 10 pounds. It's like, oh, receive. You know, it's like the full circle, giving and receiving. So I feel like it's going back to the nature, right? The the moon is the feminine. The sun is the masculine. It It's everywhere around us. So being only feminine or being only masculine, it's not going to feel good to you. And that's why we're feeling like off balance. Everybody wants to be in balance. It's, it doesn't work if you don't create it. So... I learned that you need both. That's why I say I also give you strategies because if you're in like, oh, I'm feeling good, give it to all me, you know, you're not making an impact. Mm. The feminine, it's the intuition, it's the feelings. As women, many of us, we were told you are too sensitive, you're too emotional, don't cry. Like, I, I will give you something to cry for, you know, and all these things. So we were learned to just shut up and shut off our emotions. Men too, of course, right? Like, like shut off your emotions. Like, why are you crying? Like, even forget that, right? For boys. But for women, like, oh, you're too much drama. You're too emotional. Are you in your period? What's wrong with you? So we shut off our emotions and we just step into this like robot, right? Just like going like a machines, but we're not. Mm. So I, I feel like, we need both. Like, go back to your body. Go back to trusting your intuition. Go back into your feelings. Go back into being nurturing. But nurturing from place of love, not from place of fear. I used to be a nurturer, but from place of fear, I would give everything, everyone, my time, my money, whatever you want, because I felt that I'm unlovable. Now when I give, it's purely from place of love. If you don't like me, I don't care. And it's not like I don't care, but I care so deeply. The people who are in my life, I give them so much and so deep that I cannot waste my time on explaining myself to others, to proving myself to others. I don't need to outsource my worthiness anymore and my happiness. It's too much energy. I don't. I choose not to give it. Mm. Well, I have to say, I am uh, very glad that I took your advice and just asked the question, uh, despite being <laughs> uncomfortable, because that was a very beautiful answer. And I don't say that to flatter you. That was um, that was very, very thoughtful. And yeah, that was great. Um, you said a lot of wonderful things. One thing that, that stuck out, though, certainly to me was you said everyone wants balance, but it, it doesn't exist if you don't create it. And I just that's that's just so real. You know what I mean? Like so many people don't think of it that way, I think. And that's a, that's just a really important, uh, a really important message. Well, Patty, I am absolutely humbled to have you stop by the show this evening. I could probably talk to you for another two hours. Lucky for you, you have other commitments. So, um, I will wrap up. Um, I'll have links in the show notes to your, your social media, your website, all of that stuff. Is there anywhere else you would like for people to, to, to reach out to you at? 
I think that those are really the best places. What you mentioned, my Instagram, I'm always there. My unapologetically abundant women, uh, Facebook group and my podcast. Those are like the three places that I'm showing up constantly. And it's fun for me. Awesome. Well, again, Petia, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all the work that you are doing. I feel like it's so needed. So thank you. It's been an honor. Oh, that's very, very kind. Thank you. Storm clouds and the 
door's your chance to override And I know this right now Ooh, There's no guarantee of tomorrow night Vain as you know you've been Pain comes as the price Proud as you know folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much again to Petia for stopping by really enjoyed our conversation of course thank you again to Misha for the music and as always thank you listener for listening I'd also encourage you to check out my other podcast Pick Up Your Sticks which is a podcast I co-host with Brett Lindley about why gaming matters you can find Pick Up Your Sticks on any podcast platform or the Crowfall podcast which is co-hosted by me and Chris Crabtree and is about the recently released MMO Crowfall again you can find that on any podcast app Thanks again so much for listening. Have a great week. Stay up.